You're listening to Halford and Bruff. LeBron, one-on-one against Kenrick Williams, backing him in, turns, shoots, scores! There it is! Oh, hail the new king in town! Young and old, gather round from one iconic Laker to another. The king, LeBron James, has passed the captain! It's gone worse than everybody hoped. There's been almost a tire fire every day. Oh, here's Barzell, they score! Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Good intro this morning, Laddie. Well done. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting... Your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. He loves the smell of footwear in the morning. It is Jason Bruff. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We got a big show today on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Got a lot to get into. Got a lot of guests to talk to. That will begin at 6.30 with David Amber. Sportsnet, NHL, Hockey Night in Canada host. Then it's 7 o'clock, Arthur Staple as we preview tonight's Canucks game. Canucks and Rangers, 5 o'clock start from MSG, I'll note. 5 o'clock start. I want to ask Arthur Staple about Truba. and Jacob Truba. That, that's the guy, yeah. Jacob, Jacob. Truba, uh, the, the captain and defenseman for the New York Rangers who loves to hit guys. Are the Canucks going to have to keep their collective heads on a swivel tonight? I actually want to know, and if there are any Jets fans listening. Winnipeg? Was he like this in Winnipeg? Do you guys do you guys remember him being like just like the new Scott Stevens when he was in Winnipeg or did something change when he went to the Rangers? Cuz I remember him being like a physical defenseman. It wasn't like he was a no-hitter out there, but I don't mm-hmm. remember him crushing guys to the same extent, but maybe just he played in Winnipeg and not as many people were noticing and now he's He's playing at Madison Square Garden. I wonder if it's because they made him the captain. They I wonder. Yeah, that, that's what him. I wonder. And then yeah. he's like, now I have to destroy people. Be Everyone on Vancouver, be careful. Keep your heads up tonight. Uh, 8 o'clock, Chris Faber, Canucks Army. Canucks Conversation is going to join us. He just had a an interview with Elias Pettersson. Wow, really? The defenseman. <laughs> this is going to be a problem for a lot of people moving forward. You can't have two people with the same name on the same team. I don't think it's going to be a problem for anyone with any idea that Elias like Pettersson, the current Canuck, is like a massive superstar. And you can't just be like, hey, I spoke with Elias Pettersson yesterday and not clarify that it was the defenseman version, mm-hmm. which Chris Faber on Twitter yesterday did not. Now, to be fair, it's partially my fault. He did text me and say when when I was giving you guys the update, he was like, "I'm gonna be. I have some new Elias Pettersson for you." And so I read that as like, "Oh, he's got some new stuff with Elias uh, Pettersson." But he meant to say, "No, I, I'm ta- I'm with new Elias Pettersson." Oh. He was calling him new. I just didn't. You know, I mean, you idiot, thought it so. meant new information. Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah. I, you know, I'm dumb. 
when you said insane. that though, like I feel I feel like an idiot because of your idiocy because I was like it rubs off. I, I was like, isn't it interesting how Elias Pettersson yeah. is doing a bunch more media <laughs> now, right? Uh, like and and like oh, Jason's smart. Like, I think Jason's the rule is smart just, guy. The rule should be you just call him DPD. Just make it simple. exactly. State DPD. Never call him Elias Pettersson again. I don't care that it's, that's his name. Even if he becomes You're DPD now. Even if he becomes a better hockey player than real, I'm going to call Elias Pettersson real Elias Pettersson because I'm not even sure DPD exists. <laughs> yeah, that's King of the Hill when there's Good Hank and Bad Hank and uh, <laughs> Hank's dad has another kid named Good Hank. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> good Pettersson and Bad Pettersson. Okay, we can't do that. So we'll talk <laughs> about Bad Pettersson with oh. Fame. Oh, don't say that. BP. <laughs> At 8. 8 o'clock, Chris Faber. 7 o'clock, Arthur Staple. 6.30, David Amber. I mentioned Canucks Rangers, 5 o'clock from MSG tonight. There's only two NHL games tonight. The other one is Minnesota and Dallas. There are nine NBA games tonight. And I know the, the sporting world will be transfixed on their televisions today because my beloved Leeds United, first match after Jesse Marsh was sacked. Do you know they play uh, Manchester United I don't care. in back-to-back games? They play them tonight and then on Sunday? They could cancel one when the Queen died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good. Good so luck to good that's luck. not that's not one, but good two, luck to Leeds. I guess not one, but two losses in a row coming up. That's great. And then the FA Cup, you got Fulham and Sunderland. There's lots of sports, lots of great sports. We need to start talking about them by telling you, oh, uh, in a busy day, what happened yesterday. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that. You missed that. This is the good old-fashioned what happened, because we actually have to do a real whip-around. There's a bunch of stories from a lot of different sports we need to get into. Because this is your home of the Canucks, and because this is a hockey market, we're going to begin with Bo Horvat. Yes, he's no longer a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, he's now not just a member of the New York Islanders, but a beloved member of the New York Islanders. Bo Horvat scored in his home debut with the Islanders yesterday, leading his new team to a 4 nothing win over the Seattle Kraken. That's a big win for the Islanders on Tuesday night. The fans, the fans loved every minute of it, and the fans loved Bo. Here's what it sounded like from the Islanders arena yesterday. Take it away, laddie. More hat. More hat. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Uh, Bo was very, very appreciative of of the home fans chanting his name so much so that he actually referenced it in his post-game remarks. He actually had a walk-off interview, you know, the ones they do on the ice Mm -hmm. for the American broadcasts. And he he looked at the crowd and he said, you know, thank you guys. This was very special. Mm -hmm. And then he went and he met with the media afterwards and just reiterated. Just let you guys hear what he had to say about the, the chant, the Horvat, Horvat. Take it away. How's it feel to hear the crowd chanting your name, getting yeah. your first goal on Islander sweater? Yeah, I know. I mean, that was pretty amazing. Um, you know, I haven't had a, uh, a chant like that uh, in a building that loud, and uh, I don't think ever. So, um, no, it's pretty amazing. Uh, amazing welcome, and you know, it definitely felt good to get it in my first game uh, at home. Just see the Yeah, but there's no big deal about him saying that. That was the absolute truth. The Canucks fans have never chanted his name like that. They haven't. They disappoint me, Canucks fans. But because he's because when would they have? Did they ever have a four nothing win in which Bo Horvat scored? I don't. I don't. I'm when not, would they have? I'm not making a deal of this. I was just joking around. Yeah. No. I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. No. No. Shade. I yeah. <laughs> they came in this were like Bo Horvat throw. That was what if we were trying to do tabloid journalism. That's what it would be. Mm. Bo Horvat scores winner. Scores goal. Throws shade at former team. No. It's you know what? Um, it was. It's actually I watched the video 
And without trying to read too much into this entire situation, he just looked like a happier guy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's cool uh, yeah, for that to great. happen. Yeah. He's not, I mean, he ha- he did media It's never yesterday. happened to me. No. He's, he, it should. They chanted your name before. Yeah. But it was always followed by, sir, please leave. But, uh, <laughs> they, you know, it was great to see that I just feel like it's like he's gone. We let him go. Mm-hmm. And now he's able to live his life I think and not f- be worried about the constraints of being the captain and all the pressures that come with it and the en- never-ending cloud of, as day- we heard in the audio, the-, the daily tire fires from Vancouver. Just I- felt nice. I think this season has completely changed his perception around the league. Think about how many times his name has been in the news. Like, And, and part of it, and a big part of it, is the fact that he's scoring a crazy amount of goals relative now. to his career average this season. The pace he's on... He's never approached this pace. So not only has he been doing that, he's also been number one on all these trade boards. So people outside of Vancouver were paying attention to him because there are a lot of teams who are like, maybe Horvat will come to my team, whether you're in you know Colorado or the Islanders or Toronto. I mean, there were conversations about him in Toronto, Seattle, uh, Seattle everywhere. Uh, that was looking for goal scoring or looking for centers or looking to ramp up for a playoff run. And then he signs this massive contract that is like superstar style contract and he scores in his first home game. So like the, the life for Bo Horvat, their perception, I think the word perception is the right one. That's good. Has completely changed for Horvat around the league. But now the pressure's on Horvat yeah. because he's got that savior status with the Islanders, uh, the Islanders had won two in a row before he was traded there, and then they went into Philly and got a win in his first game with them, and then their first his first home game with the Islanders, it's 4 nothing over Seattle. So the Islanders have now won four in a row, but this was a team that had lost six in a row yeah. before uh, this four-game winning streak. So, you know, Lou Lamorello made this move – the timing of this move worked for both teams because it worked for the Canucks because they're like, God, we can't keep playing this guy and risk that he's going to get hurt. Like that would just be a nightmare. But for the Islanders, they needed someone to come in and help them because they didn't want to wait all the way until the yeah. beginning of the March to help them in this this playoff race. We're going to go over the playoff races later in the show in both the East and the West, just kind of check in with how things are going because they're Awesome playoff races. Yeah, there's a you know, and the Islanders are right in the thick of that Eastern Conference playoff chase. Not to just diminish the Western one, but I was looking at the East last night because the Islanders played, and it is going to be a really competitive race. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, so the next thing we need to do is we run down what happened last night. A fairly noteworthy night in the National Basketball Association. They have you know a new all-time leading scorer, LeBron James took a 14-foot jumper with about 11 seconds remaining in the third quarter last night. This wasn't just your average jump shot, folks. This was a pretty significant one because it allowed him to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. For those that didn't hear it, this is what it sounded like. Westbrook looking for James. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James, a shot in history, LeBron stands alone! The NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to LeBron James. 
You know, it's funny. We've talked a lot about these really significant records falling in the hockey context with Ovechkin eventually surpassing Gretzky. But this Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record has actually been around longer. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Kareem was the NBA's leading scorer since April 5th, 1984. (laughs) He set this thing a long time ago. To put it in perspective, LeBron was born nine months after Kareem set the scoring record. And Kareem's status and legacy in the NBA is he's, you know, there's always the conversations about who's the GOAT, and it's always MJ, usually. Right. Kareem does enter the conversations as being a recognized force, but his legacy was that he played for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious when you go back and look at the photographical evidence of his career. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a dramatic change, right? Physically. It looks very different. Yeah, he broke in in black and white, and then the games moved to color. Like, when he broke in, the games weren't even televised, the NBA Finals. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, he went underwent this sea change in the National Basketball Association, and Kareem was the constant. Well, LeBron has surpassed that. He has been, like, they were showing clips of his first ever game. I was in... Like, I wasn't even done university yet. Now, granted, I went for a long time because I was stupid. But I, I went for a long... I remember being in college, which feels like a lifetime ago, watching LeBron make his NBA debut. And I'm 43 now. He's mm-hmm. just been doing this for forever and has never really missed any significant time. And just, like, it's funny. You're like, how would you describe LeBron? I'm like, just never stops playing basketball. He is just a constant over the last two decades. And he joins a small group of players that had hype well before they turn professional and actually realize that potential. Like I think of, you know, Wayne Gretzky who had this crazy amount of hype mm-hmm. when he was just a little kid, right? To the point where, you know, he had to leave his hometown because he was getting too much attention there. Uh, Tiger Woods would be in that category as well. Like people were talking about, I mean, the guy was on like TV when he was like three years old, right? And yep. his dad his dad was a big part of that, and um, he obviously realized his his potential. LeBron is in that category as well, right? Like the the hope for this guy when he you know well before he was the first overall pick in yeah. the NBA draft, it was like this guy is going to be something, and he realized it. I mean, he and he and 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 I maybe the difference between Gretzky, Tiger, and LeBron is I feel like. I know Tiger had his off course things, but like I feel like LeBron was criticized a lot more than those guys for yeah. his, for his for his athletic for his athletic stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that really, if you look at the totality of his career, mm-hmm. uh, here's a guy that played an insane amount of games. He's third all time yeah. in, in minutes played in NBA history. Never got injured. Didn't take nights off. Had no off-court drama in terms of, like, marital stuff or legal issues. Right. Just, you know. There's just people that didn't kind of like, like him. him. They didn't like yeah. him. Yeah, they but, didn't like him. But it'll be interesting now because he's got such a statistical, like, uppercut to throw in these fights about who's the greatest of all time. Now, I'm not saying that he is, but you've got to consider this. He's the number one scorer in NBA history. He's number four all-time in assists. Mm -hmm. He's number nine in steals. He's number 32 in rebounds. Like By the time he's done, and by the way, the end of this legacy is he wants to become the first ever NBA player to play with his son in a regular season game. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He could end up being number one in a 
in a couple categories, which is crazy. I have a question for you. Yes. You know how the NHL's scoring resurgence has been a factor in Ovi's chase for Wayne Gretzky's goal total, mm-hmm. right? Can everyone like accept that? Like his the the league is more high scoring now. Yeah, he and wasn't going to break the record in the dead puck era, but now he can because there's more scoring. For how sure. much does that help LeBron in his chase of Kareem? Because uh, we got a good text in here. The crazy thing is Kareem, I think, only hit one or two three-pointers in all his career. So he did it with free throws and hook shots, Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. Sure. The, the changing of the game aided LeBron very much. But you got to remember that there were several years, especially in the early stages of his career, where Kareem was the second coming of Wilt Chamberlain mm-hmm. because he was just so big. And so fluid and so athletic that no one could compete with him. Like, you, have you ever? They have the, always those stats for NBA single game records where it's like uh, Luka Doncic had forty points and twenty rebounds the other night, and then the only other player to do it was Wilt Chamberlain. Then he'd have like right. sixty three points and forty one rebounds, <laughs> twenty seven blocks. You're like, I, what? The? But that was at the early stages of his career. That was crazy. You got to remember, like, Karimo averaged, I think it was like his third or fourth year, he had averaged 35 points a game, which is a crazy high total. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the same time, like, LeBron got to play in an era where the shots were worth more. There suddenly was a shot that was worth three and, instead and of two. And people were taking away more of them. And people, yeah. And there was this huge scoring spike in the last little bit. Where like, last night's of, game, watching last night's game, didn't resemble anything of the Kareem era. No, but it was a very high-scoring game. It was 133 that's to 130. What, but that's yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know about the Kareem era, but you know, th- here's the thing: 30 years ago, Kareem right? played so long where he the went through changed. he went through dead ball eras and he went through inflated yeah, scoring exactly. eras. Like he just played forever. <laughs> like that's, that's the thing. And now, so all I mean, I was I was doing a fair bit of uh, background on this because like LeBron's made it abundantly clear what his goal is now and it's not mm-hmm. I know he wants to win titles. I don't think it's going to happen with this current Lakers team. And the Anthony Davis thing which is super weird by the way. I don't get what's going on. Davis sat down when LeBron took a shot to break Abdul-Jabbar's record yesterday and didn't celebrate at all. Yeah, he got it caught. He got caught on a fan camera. I don't have the bandwidth or the understanding to know exactly what's going on, but I'll throw it out there. Anyway, um LeBron's goal isn't to win titles now. It's to play with his son. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's... Well, they were losing the whole time last night. Yeah, and it got close, but they lost 133 to 130. So to Oklahoma City. Yeah. And, and Sh- that was a very important game for them. And Shai Gilgis-Alexander in his gigantic shoes. Mm-hmm. Do you saw those? I put them in the, the text thread yesterday. Oh, were the red ones? Yeah. Are those the new Astro boots or whatever? No, they're, it's a play on the big hats. Oh, you know okay. the giant hats that everyone's wearing now? Yeah, I know. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've become a thing. Big, big hats. hats. Yeah. Big, yeah. big hats. The big hats, yes. Yeah, yeah. we're Funny thinking hat. about getting a pair mm-hmm. of hats. And maybe the shoes. The shoes are less visible on the stream. I think big hats would be pretty It's like, look, it's a, it's a big a big hat. Every, <laughs> it used to just be a joke. That was a Norm MacDonald bit for mm-hmm. uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Right. It's right. like, look, I got a, a big hat. It's yeah. funny because Tur- it's, uh, it's big. Turd Ferguson. Yeah, but now yeah. it's... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but now it's not even a joke anymore. To it's get real. back on topic, I yeah, actually sorry. have some Kareem audio that we can play if you want, or I the can captain. just uh, describe it to you. But uh, he talks about the record, and, and he gets back to your initial point, Mike, mm-hmm. when you talked about LeBron just playing a really long time and being healthy. Uh, Shaq asked him what the main reason that he thought his record would be broken was, and, and that's basically the answer he gave. Let's listen in. In your mind, did you ever think that record would be broken? Because I never thought it would be broken. 
I thought it it had uh, every chance of being broken. Uh, just had, had to have somebody that uh, the uh, offense focused on uh, continually. You know, game in, game out, the the offense focused on them and uh, enable him or a player like myself to uh, accumulate a whole lot of uh, scoring. Uh, take Kobe, for instance, someone that you played with. You know? Okay, uh, we got to move along here because we do have a third story that we want to get into, uh, and that is Jim Rutherford. So Jim Rutherford sort of either through some or no doing or all, I don't know, but he became the main character yesterday because a lot of different people were talking about and writing about his future as connect president of hockey operations I, I we may as well just put it out there right away is that patrick johnston did a piece for the province writing about this and the lead was basically if there are whispers about jim rutherford's future in vancouver they should be tossed away thrown out the window so sort of pushing back against what steve simmons wrote in the toronto sun over the weekend about there are some questions around rutherford's future uh, we should go right to the audio on this because in addition to it being written about in the paper, uh, you know, our local hockey insider, Rick Dollywall, tweeting about it, reaching out to Rutherford. Uh, it made its way to the Jeff Merrick show where Merrick and Friedman talked about rumblings that Jim Rutherford might not be long for this Vancouver Canucks poho job. Here now, Jeff Merrick show, uh, Merrick and Elliot Friedman on Rutherford. I would be a little bit surprised because I think the thing with Rutherford is um, – He's pretty private. That's number one. Number two, I, the one thing I do think is I think this year has stressed everybody out. Like, not just the fans and the players, but the organization from top to bottom. Um, yeah. It's gone worse than everybody hoped. Um, there's been almost a tire fire every day. And, you know, things have gotten out uh, that have, you know, affected the way they can do their business, Right. And, you know, the organization is trying to figure out, like, how all these things are getting out and, and what's happening. And I think it's been a highly stressful year. I just think at the end, and I think they've got some long-term decisions to make about, you know, wh where they're going, not only on the ice, but off it. You know, their front office, uh, who's going to be there long-term and who isn't. But the one thing I, I think about with, Rutherford is that he knows that if he was to walk away, this would probably be the end. And I'm not sure yet that that's what he's, I, I'm not sure yet that's where he is. I, I, I think he wants, uh, I think he would want a chance to try and fix it as opposed to walk away in the middle of it. So in 32 thoughts, the written version Elliot uh, published one late last night, and his first thought was this. For the record, Jim Rutherford denies he is considering resigning from the Canucks. Vancouver's got a lot of decisions to make on and off the ice, but he's determined to lead that process. So Freach noted that the Canucks may have some long-term decisions to make in the front office, and he seemed to insinuate that those decisions go beyond just Rutherford. What's interesting for me about Rutherford, by the way, is even if he isn't on the verge of quitting, he's 74 and he's only on a three-year contract and he's in the second year of that contract right now. Mm -hmm. It's more than reasonable to wonder if next season might be his last with the Canucks and if that was the plan all along, right? There's not many people that work these high-pressure jobs into their mid-70s. 
right? Right. Unless you're the president of the United States, and then I, I got, think it's a prereq. That's when you start the job. That's, that's a prereq to be that old. Yeah. And it's working out great. Yeah. Um, but maybe later in the show we can just go through the front office, and we'll have some fun with this. And we'll just go through that. We'll bring up the front office page from the Canucks website and go, all right, is this person a, a, a long-term fit yeah. with the organization, or is this person going to be here forever? And maybe we can come up with some – you know, it, what what else do they need? Well, but, uh, you know, I think the conclusion that I have, if I have the overall conclusion to make right now, is that Jim Rutherford was supposed to bring stability to the front office after instability, let's be honest, uh, especially at the end of the last front office because everyone was like, when are these guys going to get fired? Yep. That's not stability. He's been here, what, a year? Barely a year? There's still instability in the front office. Right. I Look, again, here's how we're going to frame this, I think, is it's we asked the question about Rutherford's future. Seems like we sure got a pretty definitive answer from Rutherford himself, from the sources that Patrick Johnson had around the club who confirmed it as much. Uh, there's nothing to these rumors that he's ready to quit or ready to walk away. At the same time, I think that it can be used as a jumping off point to ask very valid and legitimate questions about the front office. The and future of the, the front office. The future of the front office. Yeah. Because all the things that we're talking about are based in fact. He is 74 years old. Mm -hmm. There are not a lot of people that work in these high-profile, high-pressure jobs in that stage of their lives and often not do it for a long time. I would also add... It's not like he doesn't have a history of abruptly quip quitting jobs. Mm -hmm. I understand that the Pittsburgh situation happened in a very unique time during COVID, during the pandemic. But the reality is, is that there's a, a, a history there of where things got to a point where he was like, this isn't good for me. This isn't healthy. Mental health, I'm, I'm walking away. So I think having all of that out there leads to very valid points. And really, you know, not even with the backdrop of Rutherford, but... It's a big, multifaceted front office in a year where, as Elliot so eloquently pointed out, there's been a tire fire every day. That's the slogan for the team. It's like a chicken in every pot. A tire fire every day for the fans. A smiling face. It's a tire that's smiling, but also on fire. Uh, David Amber is going to join us next. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Breaking down the biggest trends in hockey. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The fact-finding mission for Rick Tockett is underway, and it seems like there are some guys that are buying in, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting final 32 games of the year, I think. 6.33 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I bring that up because tomorrow is new car day for me, Jason. It's oh, new. nice. Yep, I'm, getting it. I'm going from the RDX to the MDX. And it's a little bit of like a Christmas present type thing. I don't know what, what year the car is going to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know the color. It's a 72. Right. It's got <laughs> big, long wood paneling strips along mm -hmm. the side, which is what I was looking for. It can also seat 
37 this, people, and there's yeah. no seatbelts. This thing only takes leaded gas. Yeah, I love it. It's like my computer. <laughs> okay, uh, we got to talk some NHL to the phone lines we go. We are joined every week by our next guest. We're happy to have him back. It is David Amber from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're good. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to do this. You know, we spent a lot of time in the intro segment talking about... Bo Horvat and New York Islanders. So Horvat yesterday scores in his home debut for the Islanders. It's a four nothing victory. They're chanting his name at the arena. But I think the most important takeaway, even though it was great for Bo, is that this Islanders team has now won four in a row. They're the second hottest team in the Eastern Conference, and they need to be because that playoff chase in the East, David, is super tight. You've got um, the Panthers, the Sabers, the Islanders and the Penguins, all within three points of one another. And then there's the Capitals, one point ahead of that group. So it's very interesting. And I wanted to ask you, with regards to those Islanders, do you think this Horvat trade is going to be enough to put them over the top and push them from playoff contender to playoff team? It is exciting. It's so funny. A week ago, it felt like the dog days of the season. And now it feels like, wow, the playoff chase has legitimately started. I, I don't know if Horvat is enough to push them over the top but what I will say is when you look at the teams battling for the last two spots, you know, Washington, Pittsburgh, Islanders, Buffalo, Florida, if you want to throw Ottawa in, that's probably kind of gratuitous. But uh, the one thing that differentiates, in my opinion, New York from those teams is goaltending. The mm. Rokin is a legitimate all-star, legitimate, you know, rock-solid goaltender. And those other teams, there are some question marks. Um you know, listen, Washington has Darcy Kemper, who just came off a cup-winning season. I, I get that. But, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, Tristan Jari has been injured. And Buffalo, you know, they're running 41-year-old Craig Anderson out there half the time. Um, you know, Florida, their goalies have been injured. Bobrovsky's been inconsistent. So I think that might be their greatest advantage. But I do think, you know, legitimately, um, the reason they were, uh, you know, willing to give up three parts to get Bo Horvat was, not that he's some great natural goal scorer, but that he changes the complexion of their offense, right? You know, he think about the goal he scored. What happened? He won a face-off in the offensive zone. They get possession. Barzell finds him open. You know, he's one of the best face-off guys in the league, and that's something we talked about. It'll help him on the power play. It will help them five-on-five. Five. It'll help him defensively, obviously, uh, if you have an important draw in your own zone. I mean, I don't need to tell Canucks fans this. So, it definitely gives them a leg up, but let's remember, um, you know, Lewis played sort of his big chip. It's done. And Buffalo, Florida, Pittsburgh, Washington, I'm sure there's going to be some maneuvering for those teams between now and March 3rd. So we won't legitimately know, you know, how the teams stack up for another three and a bit weeks. But right now you have to like the way the Islanders are trending. David, people in Vancouver have followed Bo Horvat's career from the time he was drafted in the first round, and we all know the story there. He was drafted with the pick. Acquired in the Corey Schneider trade, it seems like a long, long time ago now. Um, so we know, we followed Bo Horvat's career ascent. Um, I'm wondering how much his perceptions around the league have changed just this season. You know, that's a great question, and I, I was down in All-Star Weekend in Florida, and I actually had a chance to sit and talk with Bo just off camera, just, you know, shoot the breeze with him a little bit. 
Um, and one thing I'll say is he garnered a lot of attention. When I stepped away, there was a lot of people. And I know there were some people there just wanting to talk to him because of the situation in Vancouver and the big news, the trade. Um, but he fits right in. I mean, when you look at the list of, of guys there at All-Star Weekend, you know, it wasn't like, oh, what's he doing here? <laughs> and there were a few guys. There were a few guys, you know, there maybe was that perception of like, oh, maybe this, they're not really going to be part of this group. You know, he's a legitimate bona fide star in the league. And I think it goes way past, you know, him setting a, a personal record for goals in a season right now at 32. Like, I think people who watch the game look at him as this multi-dimensional guy. Uh, you know, do we all think he's going to be a, a perennial 50 goal scorer? I mean, I think that would be a tall order. But one thing, you know, when you talk to analysts who know the game very well is Bo Horvat plays the game right, right? He goes to the places you have to go to score goals not that dissimilar to, to Zach Hyman, you know, like guys who go to those places get rewarded and he goes to those places. He plays the game hard. He plays the game, right? So um, his perception, I think throughout the hockey community as a, a winner, a team player, a consummate professional, and a guy with a high level of skill and maybe skill that was a little bit under acknowledged before this season, um, you know, as, as, as Jim Rutherford said, you know, listen, his body of work is his body of work, and this might be a bit of a blip. And, and we've seen that, right? We've seen guys have great career years when everything's on the line contract-wise. But I, I do see Bo Horvat being a guy who could perennially be, you know, a 30 to 35 goal scorer and provide all those other intangibles. And that, that's great value. There's great value in that, right? So um, I think he's, his perception around the league is quite high. It's funny you mentioned uh, the guys that are at the All-Star game, and sometimes you look at them and you're like, what are you doing here? Right? There's always a few guys that get ignored. And you know who I thought about? Bo Horvat at the All-Star game in 2017. Because this is actually his second All-Star game. There's an All-Star game down in L.A. in 2017, and the Canucks were a terrible team, and he just got to go. And I, I, would, I would garner that, I would wager that, most of the media covering that event had no idea who he was. Yeah, I, I was there in LA. In fact, that was my favorite all-star game because they trotted out the hundred best players right. of all time. Yeah. At an incredible celebrity game uh, where, where it was, was memorialized with Chris Pronger, you know, pasting Justin Bieber against the boards with that great photo where Pronger's <laughs> got an smile and faces all smushed up. And it was, you know, I think going to Toronto next year, we're going to see a bit more of that. You have the ability to trot out some alumni. You have the ability to have a great celebrity game. You have the ability to bring out some, some you know, legends in the game. Um, and there are a lot of them are based in Toronto, so it makes it help, you know, easy in, in a lot of respects. So I think it'll look very different than this year's All-Star game, but it'll be pretty exciting as well. And you're not wrong. I mean, in 2017, I think Bo Horvat was just sort of starting his ascent right? Like it was, mm. he was like one of those young guys. You go, Oh yeah, oh, it's cool. He's here, but you know, I'm going to go talk to OV. I'm going to go talk to Sid, I'm gonna, <laughs> whatever. Um, you know, now he's right there. Like he's in the, the, the mix. And again, I, I think he's secured a place really in the league. Uh, and maybe in some respects, Vancouver is obviously a much bigger and, and, you know, superior hockey market than, than Long Island in many respects. But he is in the glare of New York City, uh, or at least, you know, New York City light, I guess we'll call it, in, in uh, Long Island. Um, it might help raise awareness, at least south of the border, about what kind of player he is. So uh, I think, yeah, you know, West Coast and in Canada, we know who Horvat is. We've known him for a long time, but maybe now on the U.S. East Coast, they're going to get a sense of what kind of player he is. 
So I know you were keenly watching the Flames-Rangers game from the other day. Well, the Canucks are at Madison Square Garden tonight to play the New York Rangers. Is it safe to assume that a message for the Canucks and especially their forwards would be uh, keep your head up? <laughs> keep your – if number eight's on the ice, you better be aware. I, you know, I thought it was really cool. I don't know if you guys watched that game. We were in studio doing that game for Rogers Monday Night Hockey. You know, a lot of the games start, you know, you watch a lot of hockey. A lot of the games blend in one after the other. They're all pretty similar in many respects. This one stood out. Um, there was a nastiness and intensity, and Jacob Truba was leading the way. I mean, the hits he laid on Dubé, and then he absolutely blew up Kadri, you know, popped his helmet off. Uh, two clean hits, two guys cutting back uh, against the defenseman you don't cut back against. And I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm sure all the elite players who have the puck on their stick on Vancouver are well aware of it. If they weren't before, they are now. And listen, JT Miller, you know, could tell you firsthand, it's a guy who played in New York. Um, you know, Truba in front of his home crowd, I think feels even more at will to, to throw his body around and get the crowd into it and get his team into it. So, I, I wonder, um, you know, I did. I, I can't wait, first of all, for the rematch between the Flames and the Rangers because that was an intense – like, Lucic wants a pound of flesh. He wasn't able to kind of – he got laid out at one point by Sammy Blaine. He went by the box. He goes, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and you can see Blaine kind of turn to the refs and was like, are you going to give me an extra 10 so I don't yeah, have to go back? Yeah, man. <laughs> this, Please, this, sir. This man please. is threatening me. Please, sir. Yeah. Give, give me a misconduct. Please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just – so I, I think I think the the word is out, and I think listen, Truba plays on the line and sometimes crosses the line. We've seen that, but on uh, on Monday he was he was just an absolute beast. And yeah, beware, do not uh, you know he's Scott Stevens light. He's you know Scott Stevens was a different animal, mm. but for today's game in 2023, Jacob Truba is probably the closest thing to Scott Stevens we have. And and you know what? Um, as long as he stays on the right side of that line uh, of legal hits, it's, it's great to see. So it's Truben, the Rangers taking on the Canucks tonight, and then you mentioned that rematch. That's February 18th when the Rangers go back to Calgary, which should be a pretty interesting one. Uh, David, thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy just two games tonight, but they're decent games anyway. Enjoy them, and we'll do this again next week. Yeah, I look forward to it, guys. Uh, be well. Enjoy the games. You too. Thanks. That's David Amber, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada host here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So we mentioned the playoff chases in the respective conferences, and – there are chases, but I think the one in the East, just by nature of all the teams involved, is a lot more compelling than the one in the West. For very quickly, in the West right now, I think it's going to be, in the end, it's going to be a three-team race. I think it'll be, I mean, if you just look at the points right now, it's going to be Minnesota, Colorado, Calgary. Oh, I think really? LA is going to be in it. I think LA. You think LA is going to fall oh, yeah. back a bit? I, okay, I think that's at fair. Risk, they're sure. at risk of falling sure. back for sure. So a three or four-team race, but really only one is gonna miss, I think. Did right? you see? Did you see who Colorado had back in the lineup yesterday? They had Nachushkin and Bowen Byram. They still lost in overtime to Pittsburgh, but they played pretty well. Bo, Bo got hurt again, if I'm not mistaken. Did he really? Yeah, oh, it's God. been a tough go for him. So, uh, the, 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 with the West, I think it's fair to say that of those teams, only one is gonna miss. Correct. Because Nashville's not going to climb back into this St. Louis isn't. Vancouver, <laughs> my friend. So I think it's going to be one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yep. In the East, you have Florida, Buffalo, and the New York Islanders as of radio. Like right now, 645 in the morning. Those three teams are on the outside looking in. So there's going to be a handful of teams 
that either had playoff aspirations or were in the playoffs last year that are going to miss. Here are the money puck odds to make the playoffs. There are so many teams that are essentially a coin toss to get in there, Yeah, give or take. Like Washington's at 59%. Pittsburgh's at 54%. Florida at 37 Buffalo at 34 And New York, the Islanders, have raised it all the way. I think when – I want to say when Horvat was traded there, it was something like 12%. Yeah. Now it's up to 33%. When Horvat – Because it's all that close. When Horvat got traded there – they had the most games played in the NHL with 52. So that was a big reason why their percentages were lower. Like, mm-hmm. there was, like right now, the Islanders have 54 games played. They're tied on points at 59 with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has four, four games in hand. Yeah. That's a lot of points that are up for grabs. So the Islanders, I think that's actually a, a very small part of the reason why they decided to make the trade as early as they did. Because if yeah, you wait, played a bunch of games. If you wait a month, like you, you don't have a lot of catch up time left. So it's going to be really fascinating. To, and I say this not just to try and sell a narrative like oh, it was Alfred and Bruff selling more fake news. No, part of this is that, and I don't think a lot of people remember this because it was so not memorable. Last year, the playoff chase was terrible. Mm-hmm. The last month of the NHL regular season had minimal stakes involved. Well, the East was wrapped up. By the new year. Yeah. And the, then it, the top eight was clearly defined. And then in the West, you'll remember the Canucks bri- briefly flirted with being in the playoff chase, <laughs> but let's be real. That was dead. That was dead about 10, 11 games before the regular season ended. Vegas. Dude, that was dead while Travis Green was still there. Yeah. I mean, you could make that argument, right? They got the bump with Boudreaux, and there were a handful of games, let's be honest, okay. where we were like, oh, if they're going to have any chance of getting back in this, I got to win tonight. Anyway. Um, the only real chase was, remember, it was kind of a chase between Vegas and Dallas, and I say, because mm-hmm. I don't even remember it, but yeah. I'm going back and looking. And technically speaking, there was a chase right up until the end of April between the Stars and the Golden Knights. But my, I, mean, I do remember this fondly, going back to last year and saying, God, this is the first time in a long time where there's no drama. There's no regular season games where you're like, this feels like a playoff game because both teams needed it to get into the dance. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot now, and I might bring in the dogs here as well sure, if, they're not, I'm ready. if they're not busy. I'm ready. Of all the teams that could realistically miss the playoffs, so realistically miss, mm-hmm. which one would be the biggest story if they did miss? The Calgary Flames. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think, also agree with that. Now, here's the thing. If if they, they didn't play in Florida, the Panthers would be it. They would go from That was going to be my choice. Yeah. You but they lost so so much from their lineup. But well, they, they brought so much in. They won the President's Trophy last year, the best regular season team to yeah, missing entirely. I guess. And they added Matthew Kachuk and they got a new head coach. I don't know. It's Florida too, so I don't Well, that's what I'm saying. If <laughs> yeah. they played anywhere else, it would be the biggest story, but it's not as Calgary. Well, Pittsburgh, Calgary. I mean, if Pittsburgh misses, they bring back all these guys like Malkin and Latang. They got a new ownership group there. I think they've a- got this big postseason um, streak that they haven't missed the playoffs in a long, long time. Yeah, if they miss, that's a big deal. But for me, I think just being it's a Cal- Canucks fan, it's it, it, it's 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 Calgary for me, just because of the way their roster is assembled, i.e., full of guys that aren't getting any younger. Yeah, and I, you know, there's a very weird sentiment that's gone. Do you think on- Sutter would get fired? I think he would. I think I, I, I think you I think they'd have a new head coach. I'll one up you. If they I bet he'd quit. I bet he'd walk away oh, and go back to the ranch. Do you think Tre Living would get fired? Uh, Calgary's just different. They just seem to be more they like, like everybody. Yeah, they like everyone gets along. Yeah. I th- I think he'd quit. 
You think Daryl Sutter would quit? Yeah. I, that seems like the kind of move that I could see from Daryl Sutter, mm-hmm. where he's just like, uh, it's not for me anymore. I guess the I mean, Avs, to an extent, I mean, they're the eighth, so, I mean, to an extent would be a story. I mean, obviously, a lot of injuries, yada, 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 but, I mean, still, the fact that they're the, the defending Stanley yeah. Cup champions. It would be a story. This, yeah, that would be a massive be, story, yeah. Although, the Kings did that not too long ago. True. When they won the Stanley and that was a big story. Yeah. Uh, that was a big story at the so, time. So, but I would say Calgary only because it feels like um, <laughs> there's the most drama behind it. Like, they had a really good run last year, but then they fell apart and they kind of got broken by Edmonton in the playoffs. Then Gaudreau up and leaves for Columbus. And then Kachuk's like, ooh, I like the idea of that. I'm going to leave. Yeah. And then everyone got their feelings hurt, and Tree Living was like, we're going to prove that people want to play in Calgary. save the day. And then he didn't save the day because they're kind of a mediocre team. Well, everyone thought he did. What an amazing job that Brad Living has done this offseason. And then the whole thing kind of started to get undone when the savior, Markstrom, might not be the savior of him and actually be broken from whatever happened against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And all, all of Daryl Sutter's pressers, which are already kind of weird because they're very unpredictable, he's just kind of gone on weird tangents again this year. Yeah, the, like the Sutter charm. Yeah. And it, this happens. It runs out. We mm-hmm. did a thing to the new player in the first game. Jacob right. Peltier. What, what was yeah. his number again? Yeah, I think a lot of people took that the wrong way. Like Eric Francis, the writer for the sports for Sportsnet out of Calgary, basically Calgary's version of IMAC, like wrote a scathing column on that. He mm-hmm. was, I mean, it was, and in you know, in, in in Calgary again, for whatever reason, the media glare. I mean, it's a smaller city, but I think Edmonton has a much different vibe to it around mm-hmm. the team than than Calgary does. Of course, Edmonton would be a massive story if they miss, but I don't think they will. Right I'm, now, I, I, right Jack now, Jack Campbell's actually playing well for them. Right now, the Oilers, the Oilers, the Oilers are uh, they're in that second wild card. They're basically four four points up on the make it or don't playoff bar, so they're not comfortable. But they've got a little bit of a cushion there. They're plus twenty eight goal differential. Like that's some of the goal differentials. <laughs> that's why I look at LA. LA they're minus yeah. ten. Yeah, LA's got a problem, and it's goaltending. Mm-hmm. And I and if there's something that's going to undercut their season. It's going to be when does this Phoenix Copley magic wear out, or can we dial it back and hope for one more like you know? And, and Jonathan Quick. By the way, Factor Demko was back on the ice yesterday at practice for the Canucks. I mean, that's still out there, right? We're all <laughs> Just we're all, that we're all going to acknowledge this, right? Mm-hmm. And um, California and, kid. Yeah, and then I guess when do you think he'll play again? Maybe a week. What did Woodley say? He said uh, he he had the timeline a little while ago. He said it was week to week, wasn't right. it? Right. So okay. So it's, maybe it's a week for Thatcher Demko. Here's a question for you, Greg, because you're a goalie guy mm. by nature and by trade. Is it worth it for the Buffalo Sabers to go out and solidify their goaltending, or even just give it a little bit more of an oomph to make a push for the playoffs? Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but they have currently the NHL's longest active playoff drought. They have not been in the playoffs since 2011, yeah, a long time ago, and they're close. They're right in that well, mix. They're, they're a good hockey team, and yes. they're still missing that piece in net going forward. So why you get a stopgap? Why why we, can't what, they just go out and get the future in goal right now? That's What's, the attractive thing about Demko. He's not a rental. No. Like remember when Ryan Miller was traded to the St. Louis Blues? That was a rental. That was a rental situation, and it did not work out. So for any team that, for example, if they were to acquire Thatcher Demko at the deadline, let's say it's L.A. or let's say it's Buffalo, right? You're like, well, if it doesn't work, we've still got Thatcher Demko. Run it back next goalie, year, see right? how he does. Yeah, let's, see what's how he the does. deal with uh, UPL? 
Uko Pekka. I just don't think his ceiling's all that high. He's he's a really big goaltender that plays a super aggressive style on a team that sort of trades chances with the other team. So I I just don't think he's the right fit there, and I I don't see him as a starter going forward. I know they have a lot of faith in him, but because Buffalo to me right now is maybe the most intriguing team mm-hmm. lurking in the shadows. So if you missed it yesterday, Dylan Cousins signed a seven-year, uh, 49.7, very specific number there, uh, million-dollar contract with the Sabres. The story really wasn't about Cousins. It's about what the Sabres have done and what they might be doing. So what they've done right now is they've given three guys that are 25 or younger these really big long-term deals, speculative deals in certain instances. Mm-hmm. So Tage Thompson got a $50 million deal uh, in August. Matias Samuelson, who's only 22, got a $30 million deal in October. Now, Cousins. So I look at it and say, there's a certain cost certainty here that the Sabres wanted to achieve. And, the, and the, it's future. They're making bets on it. They're speculating, right? Is Do that- you remember the Florida Panthers did essentially the same thing? Like yeah, they it- locked up a bunch of guys... Long term, some it worked out, and some it worked out. Some it wasn't Bukestad one of them. Was like Trocek some of them in there too. Yeah, yeah, there was Bukestad, a bunch of guys Trocek, that they had. Ekblad, they had signed long term, yeah. but if you look at their situation there, you know, I think I think they're good bets. You've got Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins. Two are the, those are the top six centers, right? Those are their guys, and they're locked up for a combined cap hit of yeah. what fourteen million dollars. I mean, it's not even like, like PD's going to come to almost all, all, come to almost fourteen million dollars by himself. Yeah, and it's not even necessarily like is it good, is it bad? Like you're betting on and you're speculating on the future. It's very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. What I'll say is is that if you identify what a team is doing and their sort of philosophical approach or their plan, then I start to wonder. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Could is this a team that could not really use? A number one goalie that brings you cost certainty for yeah. what three more years? Because you know mm. who's going to be really expensive to keep, Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, and and you because, know who's yeah. got a lot of like picks and assets to move out the door, the Buffalo Sabers. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there's a long line of guys that they've drafted because they've been horrible. Again, haven't been a playoff team in over a decade. Just something to keep an eye on there, folks. You just know move. if they trade Demko, though, it's going to be like next season he goes on this Vesna caliber tear and he has his amazing bounce back year for whatever team he's on. That's fine. So but that's be on a good team. But, but well, yeah, I would fully expect him to play well next season. Yeah, because yeah. like well, he's because yeah. he's, you know, he's a good goalie. It's like Bo going to the New York Islanders and vaulting them to a Stanley Cup. No, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> You know they're going to go on some kind of crazy heater now, right? And it's going to be like all Bo Horvat driven. Mm-hmm. That's just how. I mean, is he going to is he going to defoli us on Thursday? Yes, a hundred percent. We need to go to play now and see if there's any odds up there right now. Oh, there will be. Yeah, yeah. and it should be like he's a hundred percent scoring against the Canucks. Oh no, mm-hmm. I'd say two hundred percent, but that's mathematically impossible. Six or goals. so I've been told. Seven goals. The Canucks are in New York to play the Rangers tonight at Madison Square Garden. Arthur Staple. Covers the Rangers for the Athletic. He's going to join us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 